When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Root Insurance is all about you and how you drive. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price, which puts you in control. Just download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate. It's car insurance made for you. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details. Hey, all. So, if you heard Mikey's indie episode then you know what this is but in case you don't this is randy of the black millennial marriage podcast indie number 60 what had happened was i think i'm gonna use his name to uh yeah i'm gonna just take one of the segment names <laughs> as my episode title so uh just to fill you in why are we doing this so we've decided to come back from our break with two episodes so on sunday you get your full and on Wednesdays, you'll get individual episodes from me and Mikey. And this is because we met Belief um, from Belief in Fatherhood in Atlanta, here where we are, where we live back in, I don't know, May, June. I can't remember. But anyway, he asked us when we met him how he as a creator, um, him and his wife could better serve us like as podcasters and content creators. And we thought that was like a really great question. I think it's a testament to how like the him and Mrs. Mellon are actually good people. Or just like, <laughs> I mean, you can be good people and be about yourself. But they're just like, I think it's a testament to their character. But we didn't know what, we didn't know what uh, to say or like what to ask for. But we know we want to do an interview like in the future. And so he talked to us about his trip back to, back in Hawaii. And we talked a little bit about that. And he suggested that we do more episodes for the public to like increase downloads and engagement and all this stuff. And so since that conversation We've been trying to figure out how to bring two episodes to y'all um, that wouldn't burn us out, <laughs> but would also give you more insight to us and all of that and be entertaining. And so we came up with the indie episode idea on break because this is something we've been talking about for months. We didn't want to come back. We didn't want to drop like two long episodes. because We didn't want the episodes to be the same one because that's content we could use for like other Sundays <laughs> and because like it's it's hard. It's hard work producing quality content and I guess there was also like a little fear about running out of things to say I don't know I don't think we ever could but never say never anyway so we we've been talking a lot about who are we as individuals the last episode before our break good dad good husband bad dad good mom bad wife really got us thinking about who we are outside of our roles as spouses and one thing we haven't seen in podcasts a couple of podcasts is or at least frequently is, um, I don't know, like a focus on the individuals 
when we think of marriage and relationships is always, you know, two become one. It's in the vows. It's everywhere. But in real life, you really are still somebody outside of your husband and outside of your wife. And there are things we love outside of each other that we don't really get to talk about on the podcast because it's just we're both not into the same things the way the other person is. And so basically, marriage consists of not just spouses. <laughs> I'm just going to read what Mikey wrote. But two individuals who chose to come together. And we like to like take these episodes to honor that individuality. And so that's what we're going to do. So from these episodes, you can come to expect three segments. Uh, the first is what had happened was. And this is like many stories, funny stories, personal anecdotes, and thoughts. The second segment is a Q&A which sounds like what it is. We're going to give individual feedback and answer your burning questions. I've always wanted to say burning questions. And finally, the third segment is, I'll leave you with this, which is just something special at the end. For me, it'll probably be a quote or a book recommendation Recommendation for Mikey. I don't know if he said this in his episode yet, um, but it'll either be something about shoes or music or something. But yeah, so... I'm really excited. This is my first one after the Father's Day episode, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah. I'm sweating. Yeah. In 2010, thought I was doing something. And now I'm rapping with a crew or something. I guess the track don't really stick unless he's gluing something. And I never fit the shoe until I do or something. Yo, bracing myself like teeth, boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete. But homie, these tunes make you get a new ID. I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap. I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days. And we can still pitch the track to all the wack DJs. We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's. And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy face. Let's go. We can turn the whole world around. I'm in the backseat. And I'm back. Okay, y'all. So. For my first individual episode, my segment, what had happened was it's going to be about why I write slash want to write, what my family and friends think, what I'm doing now, and how I plan to keep the faith. I've been like racking my brain about this first episode. I didn't want it to be boring. I didn't want it to be like, I don't know. I didn't want it to be bad, but writing is like a core thing about Randy. That is something that if you ask anybody who knows me, I hate when people say that, but if you really do... <laughs> They will tell you Randy is a writer. And so, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast. Uh, if you're on Patreon, you know that I write over there because y'all get blog posts and things and book pages and all of that. But I don't think we've ever like, I've ever had the space to really explain myself. So I'm telling this story because a lot of entrepreneurs follow us, uh, couples who take the non-traditional route in terms of like what their jobs are. Everybody's not the nine to five. And that's fine if you are, but like everybody's not. And we have a lot of people who are trying to follow their dreams or trying to do both. Keep the job, the nine to five and follow their dreams and find their passions and figure it out. And I wanted to join into that conversation because I haven't. I feel like I believe I haven't. And so I wanted to do that because y'all, y'all deserve to know, you know? All right. So to begin, I was always a reader. Uh, my mom has this really funny story about me curling up to her when she was reading and like then that's like how that that fascination started maybe I'll tell it but I feel like it's gonna make this longer than <laughs> but anyway she has so I've always been a reader uh my mom I've said this on the podcast she used to we had a bedtime but we could stay up if we laid in our bed and if we were reading a book and so I took advantage of that and that's what I did and for anybody who is an avid reader you know there are usually one or two I guess feelings or emotions after you read a book 
one, you either feel like I want to be a writer or two, you know, you don't want to be one. <laughs> and and, that, and sometimes you fall in between that spectrum, even if you do decide to be a writer or decide not to be. I also used to write letters to my parents when I was in trouble. I remember I wrote this letter to my dad because I didn't like how he treated one of our dogs. And I wrote this long letter about like brutality. <laughs> and they was like, oh, she's a great writer. But no, nah. you know, they they didn't really take heed to what I was asking them to do. But I've always written letters to my parents and they've always been like, this is great. You're still in trouble, but don't ever stop writing. And so that that really did. That really was like embedded in my soul to keep writing and to keep doing things, even though technically my writing didn't didn't change nobody. You know, their behavior. <laughs> I still got in trouble. They still did what they wanted to do, but they did affirm me that I wrote well and that they were moved. And so sometimes, y'all, that's all we can ask for. And that's all we're going to get. Uh, later on, around the time I was 11, I discovered Toni Morrison, uh, who just passed August 6th. And it was really sad, y'all. Like, I saw it. And we all know, like, people die, right? She was 88. That's a blessing. It's a beautiful number. She lost her son, one of her sons years ago. And I, like, I, you know, I don't know these people, but I know that she was missing him. And so, like, we pray and we hope that they're back together and, and that she's found some peace and that she's realized that, like, her, her life, her calling and, like, her just, her writing just changed lives and everything. And so anyway, I found out and I looked on my phone and I like gasped and Mikey goes, what? And I turned the phone to him and he just like sits next to me. He sits next to me. He's just like, oh, babe, because I love Toni Morrison. I don't know a lot of black women who don't. And he knows that she is like the foundation of why I wanted to become a writer, why I write and all of that. And so it was really sad because a little quip, which y'all don't know, and I didn't find this out till after I graduated. And Mikey actually emailed Toni Morrison's people when I was a senior in college to try to get her to come down and pass me my degree. You know, that when they do that, the pass degree thing uh, at my graduation, when I saw the email, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. But it's such a Mikey thing. Like, it's so sweet. Like, he reached out to this woman. He buried his soul. He's vulnerable. He's like, my wife or my fiance. Well, I wasn't. We weren't engaged yet. My girlfriend loves you, you know. And it would just really mean a lot if you could come down here and, like, <laughs> present her with her degree when they call her name up. And it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but it was so sweet. And, of course, they were like, you know, we don't do that. But congrats to her for graduating and um if she would have been on that stage she she would have never but if she did I, I don't even know I don't even know but that was that's how important like her work is to me and everybody people I've grown up with family they know this and so I discovered her when I was 11 and that was like a weird time for me my parents were about to get divorced I didn't know that yet but <laughs> they were about to be I was coming of age I was like realizing that like you know my dad is human realizing that you know things are changing I started my cycle when I was 11 like all these things and so I read Sula first and it was a great book and I was like in this weird friendship thing with a whole bunch of girls in my life and it wasn't the healthiest friendships at all we all really found each other based off our trauma and while I don't think that's like the worst way to find friends I don't know if it's the best but yeah well, that's going to probably be another episode. Girlfriends. If y'all want to hear that, let me know. Anyway, I read that book and I had my Spanish teacher. She was like, what you doing with that book? And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's a good book. And a lot of adults were surprised that I was reading it because if anybody has read Toni Morrison or knows anybody who reads it, who doesn't really care for her work, 
they they say that it's hard. It's a hard read. But I've always enjoyed her because she makes you actively read. Ain't no skipping pages in no Toni Morrison book. You can if you want to, but you're going to miss something. And I really loved how she forces you to be present in a novel. And so that was my first read. And I was in this program called Reach for Excellence in the summertime. And they accepted middle schoolers. And each summer they give you like work to do like that prep you for high school, essentially. And I loved it. And Yasmin, who we read a review back in the day a few months ago, and she's actually on Patreon now, was in Reach for Excellence for, with me. And so, hey, girl. Um, anyway, we got a in one of our language arts classes, our teacher passed out a list of banned books. He had like all these these indexes of banned books that had been banned throughout cities and some public libraries and all of this. And I found Toni Morrison on this list. And I was like, who would ban her book? And they and in this list, they have a, the book that was banned. And at the time, it was just the bluest eye, I want to say. I don't think Song of Solomon or anything was on there, but it was the bluest eye that was on there. And I was like, I'm going to read this book. Fahrenheit 451 was also on there. That's not a Toni Morrison book. That's Ray Bradbury. Um, it was a whole bunch of other books that I love and that people love was on there. And I read The Bluest Eye. And y'all, it shook me. One, I couldn't believe that there was a black woman who wrote about a dark-skinned girl being raped by her father, um, living in this broken home. And this woman hadn't been stoned. Like anybody who is black <laughs> listening to this, you know, when you bring up child molestation or sexual assault in a black family or in a black family first, um, you're usually met with the common experience is disbelief, right? A cover up. Um, no one's doing anything. And it's it's not it's just not gonna get resolved <laughs> there's no true reconciliation it's all about protecting the family protecting the person getting over it these things happen it's very normalized and to me reading her the bluest eye through me I could not believe it that she actually wrote this book and that there were black men out here that read this book and black women out here that like that uplifted her forward and when that was not my experience in terms of like being being someone who had to tell family about someone and, and not and not and not be handled so essentially the bluest eye taught me to be brave it taught me about courage in my writing and I realized that if I couldn't say a lot of the things I wanted to say out loud I could at least put it in a book or put it in writing and I just love the way that authors in general use fiction to talk about what's really going on and so yeah, so that was The Bluest Eye. And after I read The Bluest Eye, y'all, I got, I, I mean, obsessed. I read everything else. Tar Baby, Song of Solomon, Jazz, Love, A Mercy. And I, that dropped when I was in college. So, and it was actually assigned. And so, anyway, love Toni Morrison and I. And at one point in my high school career, my middle school career, one of my teachers had these uh, timeline going across around the ceiling. And it had dates by like things done by black authors or, or just black people triumphs that they had. And on 1993 fell on Toni Morrison. She won the Nobel Prize in literature when she was in her 60s. And I was like, I want to do exactly that. That's what I want to do. And from that moment on, I, I knew that I was going to be a writer. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to write. And when I told my friends and family, they believed me <laughs> and they believed in me. Because like I said, I wrote I had wrote all the time. I read all the time, um, which is like the bare minimum basics foundation of a writer. And I think they continue to believe me now and believe in me. It's because because I'm consistent. I've always entered contests, went to writing conferences, writing programs. 
I've been published a few times, wrote the book, Querying Agents. Like I'm actively pursuing this life (laughs) and I write well, you know, and so I've always had some, I've always, they've always had faith in me and y'all. I, Atlanta's not like a huge writing hub, right? And so New York, California, those places are. And I found my people in, in college, you know, that we all graduated and went our separate ways. And so sometimes all I got is family support and friends and some inner mustard seed faith in myself. <laughs> and yeah, so that that's like the the core of my story and like how I came to that. If you have any other thoughts or questions about my love with Toni Morrison and just thoughts in general, what would you like me to cover in the next episode? Just let me know. So what am I doing now in terms of writing? So I am still querying my book. I finished. Uh, I'm like, I shouldn't probably say that. I <laughs> Every time you query someone or send out a resume or something, is this just me? Like you find like mistakes <laughs> and so you want to fix something. So I'm constantly in the process of editing and also querying and just, you know, smoothing things out and all of that. I am writing for Patreon. So Patreon supporters get blog posts and things and articles. And I am currently in the middle of drafting a piece for Side Piece Magazine. And Side Piece Magazine, a very good friend of mine, uh, Chantel Massey, is actually a, author, a writer as well. And she wrote a poetry book, Bursting at the Seams, that I copied it. And that's just great. It's just a great book. And she did what she said she was going to do, y'all. She published that shit. And it's great. It's a good book. We got like three copies here. Um, <laughs> and um, she's she's my editor. And so the, the magazine is a mental health magazine whose aim is to shed light on all aspects of gender, mental, physical health, and sexuality to ensure no woman feels isolated or illiterate when it comes to their body and experiences. And so my piece is about grief in the workplace. It is prayerfully, I hope, my final piece about my work experience in terms of like dealing with the miscarriage there and how that worked out and losing the job and, and dealing with that as a black woman. And I put the draft on Patreon last month and they just sent back edits. And so I'm about to work on that and send it back to them. But that's what I'm doing. I am always writing. I'm always doing something dealing with writing. And I'm currently also loosely part-time contracted right now. Um, I'm working for a former literary agent. I actually queried her find out she's no longer an agent and I queried her years ago she gave me some edits for my book told me to make these edits bring it back to her but two years later I'm ready and she's she's retired and so she's starting a publishing consultancy and so I'm doing some work over there and that's that's just the writing life y'all and if you want more info about that I actually wrote a piece about that on patreon and so shameless plug that's where that is so that's what I am doing um how am I staying motivated because y'all know that we are over here on the struggle. I'm, I understand that trying times makes for great writing. Um, I also know I'm a good storyteller. And this is all helping me in my writing and strengthening my testimony. And because no one, like while we love like miracles and random miracles and things, you don't really feel connected to the person, at least for me. I don't always feel connected to a person that hasn't gone through anything. Like it just all fell in line for you, you know? And when I told God that I wanted to win a Nobel Prize in literature, I also realized now as an adult, I have to accept that there are some things Nobel Prize laureates got to go through to get to that book that gets them that prize. And so, <laughs> and I understand that. And so while I don't, I'm not necessarily always enjoying this struggle and it feels like very futile and I feel silly and crazy and stupid. I can't deny what I believe my calling is and 
and just what gives me peace and joy. And so I stay motivated remembering that. Also, books by Stephen King on writing. He's one of my favorite authors on writing and Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott are really great books for writers and just people in general trying to pursue their passions. And it's hard out here, y'all. It's hard. And these books really are uplifting. And Stephen King was poor. Okay, like two kids just I mean, his story is just so it's so like thrilling and he wrote it so well and he was an addict and it was just it was just a great story. And Anne Lamott and, you know. I think she had like a really, I really liked her look on what writing is like when you finally do get to publish a book and like nothing in your life changes at first. So like just, I really like these books and I really feel like if you are listening, you are a writer or someone who was just going against the grain of what you thought you were going to do with your life. These are good books and they're not just for writers. And so ultimately I understand that there is a process and while it sucks and while I don't trust the process, like people say, I do understand that I have to radically accept that there is a process. And yeah. All right. Q&A. I have Juby with me. So individual episodes aren't really individual when you are a parent. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Q&A. So we actually have a whole bunch of questions, but we aren't answering them all in one episode because then we wouldn't have anything else for any other episodes. But shout out to our Patreon family. They uh, sent in a lot of questions that we we asked for. So thank you. Yeah, Yeah, Drewby. Anyway, thank you all again. I have some questions to answer. All right. So the first question, (laughs) Renee. Renee, this is so funny. I don't know if you want me saying your name, but this was a funny question uh, because you were the first question on Patreon. And I was like, oh, so she ain't playing. She about to just come out swinging. But her question was, in what ways was Mikey trifling back in the day? Y'all hands at it every now and then. Follow up question. What made Randy want to be with him back then when she saw just how dot 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 messy he was back then? So this is actually... A very full question. So, uh, if y'all haven't heard episode two or three, episode two, you can go back and listen to that. We kind of go over his messiness there. Renee, I know you've heard that one, but I guess in other ways. So one, first of all, I was 15 when I started dating Mikey and anybody who has a teenager who, who is the parent of a teenager, anybody who used to be a teenager knows that that frontal lobe development at 15 is untrustworthy. Like... <laughs> I was not fully developed. Um, but in the way that I consider, I also think I consider Mikey, I used to consider Mikey trifling back in the day on like, I think my standard of triflingness or like my spectrum is a little different from everybody else because depending on who we talk to, people don't find Mikey trifling. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't find Mikey trifling. But what I consider him being trifling in terms of back in the day was, there was a lot of things. Mikey had... <laughs> he will tell you he wasn't in a lot of relationships, but I don't think that was mutual. I don't think that people knew that he wasn't in relationships. And so that's one. Secondly, he just wasn't. He's a lie all the time. Just lie. Just what, why are you lying about stupid shit? Just, I can't even think of like things that he's lied about. Just lie by omission, not leaving stuff out. He, um, but in a personal way, once we started dating that I found him trifling was, I think it's trifling to know that you are doing something wrong. <laughs> but because I'm not saying anything, you're going to keep doing it. Like, where's your integrity and your character? You know, <laughs> like, you know that dealing with this ex is like an issue. But because I keep, I don't know, dealing with it, you know, like many women do. 
and many people in relationships do and they shouldn't dealing with it you keep on like putting me in situations where i'm in the same space as her or and it's never it was never anything like dramatic like y'all it really was it wasn't as 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 chaotic or dramatic as as you would think but just the just for me it just it used to make me so upset because you know how i feel i don't believe that in every instance you should be friends with an ex some cases you got to especially when you co-parenting and or if it's like this your, your ex from when you was two i don't think <laughs> i don't think they they count but we do have a no friends with ex rule on social media anyway and that includes all my little exploits and he just won't budge so <laughs> sorry if anybody's sending me friend requests anyway i think that that's trifling when you i think that like voluntary cowardice is trifling and I think that was trifling. I think that dealing with that ex, that whole ex situation was trifling, especially because it was handled so. I'm sorry, I'm talking about your daddy. Especially when it was handled so swiftly when he did handle it. He just was a mess. Maybe he'll answer this one on his, but I just, that's what I found trifling. I just, I just felt like he could have been better than he was acting. And then he was better. He became better. And then I realized I was right. You know, that's what I found trifling back then. He just wasn't trying. He wasn't trying to be good or great, you know. <laughs> he just was he was just going with the motions and I think in a relationship and the type of relationship we were in and we've been in, it just wasn't it wasn't right. But what made me want to be with him back then when I saw how messy he was back then. So we also, y'all, started off as friends. So, like, it's different when you friends with a nigga and <laughs> you hear all his exploits because you just know he never going to do that to you. And you end up being the one he do it to. But also, um, I really like Mikey. Liked and like. He's funny, as y'all hear. He's charming. He's kind. And a lot of times, all of that outweighed the mess, in my opinion. Um, and it's, and for a while I could negotiate that for a while I could do the deal with all of that and still deal with all the mess and stay with him despite because he was great with my family. He was great with my siblings. We were great together. You know, sex was good. It was fun. I had fun with him. He taught me stuff. He still does. And I, I'm usually, I'm used to being the smartest one in a relationship. And that's not just like a, like an arrogant thing. Like I'm used to, I'm not used to dealing with people that are teaching me things on a spectrum music movies the street <laughs> basketball like that it seems small but i was just so fascinated by all this stuff all this knowledge he had that he shared because i'm a learner and i want to know stuff and he's an excellent storyteller and so he always had these great stories like i just really really liked him and so i put up with it and also i was i had like i guess what's the word believe the lie that at least of the like at least he's not dot 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 because based off what a lot of my friends was dealing with based off what I had seen women I grew up around grandparents aunts my mom deal with Mikey was excellent you know and I and I felt like to require him to be truly excellent in terms of on my level on my spectrum of like what I consider excellence was asking for too much you know and y'all then then my grandma died <laughs> i studied abroad and she died while i was abroad and i came back and i was just like you know what i don't gotta put up with this shit <laughs> and when you really 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 believe that for real and are willing to to let that person go and, and unless they give you what you ask for then uh then it's so freeing and mikey wasn't trying to let me go and so we fixed it and we reconciled and i truly believe that and i love him and i trust him with my life and this baby's life that's on my lap and our dog <sighs> and yeah so that's that's why 
I dealt with it. Good question, Renee. Okay, the next question, I also think this is from Renee. Actually, now I think about it. What is your craziest night out story, drunk or high, if you have any, besides the lap dance story? So we actually have a crazy ass night episode. I think that's eight or nine. That's a drunk story. But another one, this isn't necessarily crazy like that one was. But y'all, if you can believe it, I actually swore off alcohol before I started drinking. I was like, I'm never going to do it. I don't want any parts of that life. I watched my dad my whole life abuse it. My grandfather abused it. I don't want it. Mm -mm. Nope. I swore that I would never drink. And this is why you never say never. So I was in college my freshman year and I lived in the house of women, of girls um, who are still a part of my life now. And they used to tease me because they all go out to party and drink and I'd be in there with my King's James Version Bible. <laughs> my grandmother's Bible. Y'all, I was, uh, y'all, I wouldn't, <laughs> Lord. Anyway, and they tease me. They'd be like, you know, Renny, you do you. You don't drink. You ch- <laughs> you do what you want. And they go out by their life and have fun and come back and, um, I be sleep. Y'all, I was that my first semester freshman year is how I used to that's how I used to be. And then one time Mikey asked, he goes, Hey, I don't know, he mentioned something about alcohol and I say, Well, nope. You know, I haven't been drinking. He goes, What? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm never gonna drink alcohol. You know, my dad ruined it for me and he goes, Absolutely not, Randy. You will not base your fear, you know, base your ex- childhood experience of alcohol and like let that dictate your life like this. You can't say you're not going to do something unless you tried it. I can't remember what his logic was, but I was like, well, I I had to admit that I had a fear of acting out if I got drunk. Like I had been around people who had gotten drunk and were horrible and I didn't want to be that person. And he was like, well, how did you don't know how you will react because you've never had alcohol. Or you've never been drunk. And I was like, well, I don't want to I don't want nobody to see me like acting crazy. So he goes, well, how about this? How about I get you drunk? <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll see how you act. And so he, we went, when I went to visit him on my spring break, he lived in an apartment with his other roommates um, who were at our wedding, in our wedding. Um, he put me in his room. We got this cheap bottle of Moscato wine, barefoot, the blue, the little baby blue cat one. And, he didn't drink he just gave me the bottle he goes you know you drink till you get drunk and then we'll see what happens and y'all he like sat on his bed and like started playing this game and i'm just drinking i'm so scared it's so sweet i'm like oh shit it's sweet too and so i'm drinking it and i'm like giggling and i just had a fun like mike he's completely sober he's just watching me you know because i'm just like if i if i'm acting crazy bar the room <laughs> don't let nobody in <laughs> But y'all, I went to sleep. Like we, I think we had sex too, but I don't know if that was before or after I woke up. I woke up sober, but it was fun. It just showed me that I wasn't like, I don't know, this villain when I get drunk or even when I have a drink and it kind of loosened me up. And so I went back to college and after spring break, I was drinking y'all. <laughs> I was drinking. <laughs> and I've been drinking ever since, but um, yeah, it was just a good, that was just like my first time drinking. Mikey was my first time drinking and we did the same thing for my brother, you know, we all just got somewhere safe, let him drink because, you know, we're big, like, don't be in college acting stupid, getting caught up, not knowing how you are when you, you've been drinking and get around the wrong people you don't trust. And so that's a big thing for us. And obviously, we don't make people drink. If you want to, you can and we'll make sure you're in a safe space. But yeah, that's that was my drinking story and my high story. So I also swore off weed. <laughs> I did weed and um anything, anything you could smoke. I was like, nah, because my daddy did that too. And I'm not, I want no parts. 
and I actually never smoked weed um, throughout my whole college career. I still don't. I wish I could smoke, y'all, but I'm just not a smoker. I don't like how it makes me. I get irritable. Not even irritable. I get sleepy. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, you drink, you dance, you go out, you can hang all night. Weed, you got a time frame. At least at least that's just how it affects my body. I don't really care for it. But the, my first time was the best time. So I had, I was with some of my girlfriends after school, after I graduated. I was the last one to graduate from our crew. And we were visiting another friend, um... Drew's godmother. <laughs> She's in grad school. And we were visiting her and we, we got high. Y'all, it was so much. It was, I don't even know if it was fun. What would I consider it fun? It was a really good experience. So the story goes, I was, or oh, we had all smoked and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I hadn't, I'm sitting there and I'm watching everybody else. I'm watching how Drew's godmother is just talking. I'm like, she talks so much like i couldn't believe how much she talked my other friend um <laughs> is sitting there just you know she she does this this she just to me she just acted normal and my other friend is acting normal too and at least in my opinion and at first when i had i was like i don't feel nothing this is stupid this is so dumb it's just like randy give it a second this whole time it's been like i don't even know how long it's been y'all hour two hours that's another thing with we you the smoking you don't know like your time frame like how much time has passed how much time has passed so <laughs> somebody goes Randy must really be high she hasn't said a word and in my head I go yes I have I've been talking this whole time y'all I ain't talked the whole time I was so high I couldn't even and so then when I opened my mouth and say yeah I've been talking I couldn't figure out how to get sound to come out of my mouth so I'm like literally I'm like Ariel from Little Mermaid I'm literally opening my mouth like I cannot remember how to get sound out and I just y'all I started panicking so hard I, I just I'm crying laughing but I'm not making any noise I'm just sitting there crying laughing and then my friend goes wait is she serious and I was like I can't like I'm I'm like <laughs> pointing towards my throat I can't figure out how to talk <laughs> And I'm texting, I text them and I say, call Mikey, <laughs> call Mikey SOS. <laughs> then they go, Randy, go stand in front of the fan. And I stand in front of the fan and the air helps me, y'all. I'm just crying, laughing and I hear my voice again. And I'm like, this is the stupidest shit. We were supposed to get something to eat. But we had been sitting there talking about we was going to get something to eat. By the time we actually decided to get something to eat, everything closed. The only thing open is Wendy's. <sighs> It was so funny. It was so funny. I had a lot of fun. And I would only ever do that with my girls. <laughs> and I'm just not a smoker. I'm just not. Um, though I probably should be. It would probably help me not be so high strong. But such is life. Okay. And the final question for this episode is, how many tattoos do you each have and what are their meanings? This is from Kima. Um, so I have one two three four tattoos so the first one is the number 21 in roman numerals xxi if it sounds familiar it's part of mikey's instagram name he also has the same tattoo um he got his first but we do have matching tattoos hence our patreon tier names um <laughs> we like tried to base it off our relationship and so yeah we have that matching tattoo um the number 21 we're both born on the 21st we both love the number for different reasons maybe he'll talk about why he loves the number but i'm born the day before my grandmother's birthday 
seven and three are my two favorite numbers. They make the number 21. And again, my birthday is the 21st and it's just a special number. And so that was my first tattoo that my dad actually paid for. I got it on my 18th birthday. He was like, hey, Ram, want to take you to go get your first tattoo? I don't care what it is. I got you. And I was like, okay. And it was a family affair. It was me, Mikey, my dad, and my sister <laughs> at my tattoo. Um, I think Keon came too. I don't know. But it was like, we always do think everything with the family. You know, it's just us. But yeah, so that was my first tattoo. My second tattoo is from a scripture, um, the Bible story where... The man thinks his daughter is dead and God and Jesus is like, no, she's sleeping. And he tells her to get up. Uh, I got that verse or I got the words to leave the comb on my shoulder, my other shoulder. Um, Excess eyes on one shoulder, to leave the comb was on the other shoulder. And I got that when I was a freshman in college after I had been suspended <laughs> for that fight and granted access back to the school and able to finish my education. It was just really, it just really stuck to me. And I felt like. My second chance was kind of like that, like at school. It was just a scripture that spoke to me, but it's also the only tattoo I regret. Well, yeah, it's the first one I regret. Not that I got it, but that who I got it done by. And it's starting to bleed a little. So I think I'm going to get it redone, actually. Or maybe just like covered up in general. I don't know. We'll see. My third tattoo I got was Scream for Patricia. It's the breast cancer ribbon, but instead of like the regular ribbon, it says Scream for Patricia. And it's on my chest. It's been seen in some pictures. I got that after my grandmother died of breast cancer in 2012. And I got it when I got back from Ghana in 2013. And for Patricia is something that the woman, a woman had me say, Mama Amakus. She owns one Africa in, in Ghana. And that's where me and a, and a friend of mine stayed. We were studying abroad our last few weeks. Anyway, when the when they heard that my grandmother had passed, because I reacted very it was rough. Uh, what she heard, she took me down to the water and she had me scream for her. And she was, she would say scream for Patricia. And so I got that as, as my breast cancer, like tattoo for her. And then my fourth tattoo is of Africa. And I got it as well after I got back from Ghana and I, I didn't want it to look like everybody else's Africa tattoo. And so I like Google, like just random symbols and things. And I got that and put it, it also includes Madagascar and I have it on my wrist. It's one of my favorite tattoos. Um, interesting story. My XXI tattoo was supposed to originally go on my wrist, but my mom gave me so much hell. She did not believe. She was like, okay, I'm going to let you get this tattoo. Not even let you because at this point your body is yours. She was like, all right, I'm like giving you my blessing in a sense of this tattoo, but it needs to be somewhere discreet. You're never going to be able to get a job. And I'm like, well, Nikki Giovanni has thug life on her knuckles, on her knuckles. And, uh, or like on her forearm, she has somewhere. I think Rihanna got it somewhere else. And I was like, Nikki Giovanni has it on her forearm. She's like, you're not Nikki Giovanni. <laughs> it's different. You're different. And, um, I basically felt bullied out of getting the tattoo where I wanted it. And so when I got my Africa tattoo, I put it on my wrist and um, I sent it to my mom. She's like, why did you send me this? You know, I don't like, like, you know, I think you're covering yourself up too much and you got this tattoo on your wrist. And I was like, well, if I'm grown enough to do it, I'm grown enough to let my mom know I got a new tattoo. And we kind of just dropped it. And then my sister got like two tattoos on her wrist. Like it's just <laughs> anyway. So that's that fun story about that. But yeah, that's all of my tattoos. I think Mikey has a little bit more than me. Maybe he'll pick that question. But thanks, Kima. Or is that no, Kima? Yeah, Kima, that was your question. And thank you, Renee, for your other questions. And finally, our last segment, I'll leave you with this. So this episode actually stretched a little longer than I thought it would. 
but I haven't edited it yet. So maybe not. But anyway, I'm going to leave you with a quote um, by Brene Brown. I got it. I was taking notes during the call to courage. The special on Netflix I also read the gifts and perfection, but that's a different episode. Anyway, um, yes, I took notes, but I think that this short quote that I'm about to say sums up what me and Mikey are trying to do with our individual episodes. So as y'all know and have heard, um, we love each other and we believe that we belong with each other. But sometimes I feel like I personally use our relationship as like a way to hide. Like I feel like sometimes I'm only interesting if I'm with him. I think it's that old, that like old trope, like a woman's not really like important unless she has a man behind her. I don't know. Some way I've internalized that. And just, I guess, and just how I like, just in general, I think I just internalized that and I didn't realize that. And it comes up in different, in different things, but I feel safe with Mike. You know, he's my best friend and he's someone I've known for a long time. Someone I trust and someone I pray trust me. <laughs> and it's a lot easier to also take care of him and take care of our little family than it is to kind of focus on me and to take care of me. It's just, it's just being human, right? So, but I think we're both in a space where we want to be seen in conjunction and outside of each other, um, especially with our listeners. And so- this quote like spoke to me and I think that it fits to like why we're doing our individual episodes and it goes how can you let yourself be loved if you can't be seen and so these individual episodes are a way for me to like show myself and for Mikey to show himself outside of who we are as spouses to each other all right y'all call to action so please submit any questions or feedback for the next solo episode. We're actually doing something a little different this time around. We're recording in advance. And so <laughs> please don't be upset if like you haven't heard your question or your story request in this round of episodes because we're really trying to be like professional and get this out to y'all on time. And the best way to do that is to is to record early, you know, like duh, right? But still email us at blackmailmare at gmail.com that's b-l-a-c-k-m-i-l-m-a-r at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 770-750-4098 and we'll feature your question or the story that you want to hear on our next or future episodes individual episodes uh also let me know what you think about this episode if it was a drag just say that if it wasn't let me know that too <laughs> affirm me let me know uh be sure to check out our website y'all www.blackmillennialmarriage.com and again if this was something that you're into we do do we do do we do um write individual like articles and posts on our patreon and so there over there will be more of my musings and his daddy journals and they're great also follow us on social media platforms so we're not gonna say our joint social media well, i'm gonna give you my personal one so my instagram is randy so it's r-a-n-d four eyes i-i-i-i-e-e-e i'm gonna put that in the show notes so don't worry or you can always like go the long route go to our black women marriage page look at our followers find me anyway if you follow me on instagram or send me a request my page is not public because i ain't ready for all that yet just shoot me a quick message and be like hey heard the episode and then that's all you gotta say Something like that. And then I will just add you and make sure you're not like some spam hair page, you know. And Mikey's is Mikey underscore XXI. And you can follow us on our joint Twitter at underscore the Chapmans. All right, y'all. As always, be blessed. Don't settle. Fight clean. Peace. Oh, God, I'm going to get back.
promised land. Watch it, I promised land. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.